I, I had this um, one nutrition teacher at Life Chiropractic College, um, you know, 28 years ago, and he taught me a different perspective of nutrition. Um, he separated it from diet. He said, this is what you eat and that will affect your nutrition. It will affect the chemistry inside your body. It will affect your plasma chemistry, your blood chemistry, but your real nutrition is the blood chemistry. What affects that? Well, let me see if I exercise, I build up lactic acid. Uh, you know, I'm changing my chemistry in my muscles and in my body. If I think good thoughts, you know, certain uh, enzymes and chemical processes happen. And if I think bad thoughts, you know, bad chemical processes happen. When I sleep, the chemistry in my spinal fluid changes. Um, there's so many things that affect our blood chemistry. We can actually improve our nutrition just by thinking good thoughts or by a healthy walk or by a good night's sleep. Hi everyone and welcome to the Eat Real to Heal show. I am Nicolette Richet and I am your host of this podcast. And on today's show, I am very excited to announce that we have Dr. Mike Haley on the show. And Dr. Haley is a wealth of knowledge in so many different areas. He's a chiropractic doctor, but not only that, he's also a farmer, a producer of one of the best aloe products that you can get on the entire planet. And if you've been listening to our show, you know that I don't often have individuals that are selling a specific product, a commercialized product, because according to our criteria and standards and our principles of health, we need things that are literally grown in the ground in really clean, real soil with minimal processing and packaging. And then that product would then be given to you. But as you know, most products on the planet aren't like that. They're mass produced. They are commodity that have been watered down, treated chemically, have preservatives and pesticides. And so not very many products out on the planet meet our criteria. So therefore we just don't promote them except for Dr. Michael Haley's product, his aloe product, because I've been a consumer of aloe for decades. I learned about it from a dear friend who had cancer and was using it as part of his treatment protocol in addition to doing the Gerson therapy, which is a therapy I teach my clients to use to reverse their chronic degenerative illnesses like diabetes and heart disease and autoimmune disorders and infertility and cancers and more. But it's hard to use additional adjunctive therapies on the Gerson protocol because most other therapies are not based on plant-based whole food requirements that we have. Um, and like I said, they're just not clean and they're not real. And our whole entire podcast is about eating clean, real foods or taking clean, real products and services that actually get results. And so it's why I'm so excited to welcome Dr. Mike Haley onto the show because I got to learn so much about aloe, how it's grown, how it's produced, how it's um, turned into a product that you can take. So you're going to learn all about that on this show. Now, a little bit more about Dr. Haley. His health principles are really, truly based on evidence-based science and also on tradition. We can never factor out the knowledge that is valid knowledge that's also learned through oral history and all the traditions that have been passed down to us. Now, his 
um, theories, his philosophies, his knowledge, his science is also based on what you also find dating back thousands of years in the scriptures as well. Not just in Christianity, but in so many religions out there and so many scriptures and cultures and ethnicities. Aloe has really been within the history of humankind dating back hundreds and hundreds and thousands of years. Now, Dr. Haley owns and operates a company called, um, which is now called Haley Nutrition, but also Stockton Aloe One. So if you're looking for aloe products out there, that is the company to go to. And they're the makers and distributors of 100% pure raw aloe vera gel, health drinks, and aloe vera personal care products as well. So he also maintains his private practice as an owner and physician at Agape Chiropractic Care in um, Pompano Beach, Florida. That's where you can find him if you want to go to him for treatment. He's an expert on phytonutrition and superfoods. And he also graduated from the University of Tampa. And that's where he went on to study at the Life College of Chiropractic. Um, where he earned his doctorate in 1995. So he has been doing this work for well over 25 years. He's definitely known as an expert in his field. But what I love about Dr. Haley is that he's always learning as well. That is what the key to expertise is, is that you don't just give yourself the stamp of approval as an expert, but it's that you're always evolving and changing and learning in this world of dynamic information that is flowing in and out and through us at all times. I love that he's also known by his colleagues as Organic Mike for his teachings in the area of organic chemistry and nutrition. So as you can see, he's a wealth of knowledge for not only how to use nutrition, but also how to use specifically aloe products in helping you if you have diabetes, if you have Crohn's, irritable bowel diseases and illnesses, GERD, um, immune system disorders, eczema, psoriasis, dermatitis, even vaginal yeast, and so, so much more. So you're going to want to listen to this podcast from beginning to end because I know you're going to love it. But before we dive into the podcast, let me just update you on a few things that are going on in our world. So as you know, before COVID, we launched our 22 million tour campaign, which is where we have officially announced that we want to help 22 million people reverse their lifestyle chronic degenerative diseases by 2030. 22 million is the number that represents 10% of North America's population that is living with at least one or more chronic degenerative diseases. The reason we cho chose 22 million is because that represents 10% of the world's of North America's population that is living with a chronic disease. We know that when we help one person, when we teach one person how to reverse a chronic disease, they go on and inspire and educate 10 other people in their family, in their community on how to do that. So that's how we are going to tackle this chronic disease epidemic. Now, the tour before COVID was supposed to go from Pemberton, British Columbia, all the way down to California. But because of COVID, I've decided to keep it on my homeland of Canada. And so I'm going to be running and biking from the west coast of Canada all the way to the east coast of Canada, St. John's, Newfoundland. It's 70 or it's 7,000 kilometers or about 4,400 miles that I will be. <clears throat> running and biking. And I encourage you to come and run and bike 
with me as we do this tour, where I'll be stopping in multitude of different communities, including working with physicians, working with youth, and most importantly, working with the Indigenous and Black peoples of Canada as well. So the reason why we're working with Indigenous and Black communities, it's not because of what happened to George Floyd. I'm going to be doing a whole podcast on my thoughts on racism, on what happened to George Floyd, on Indigenous Black people of color, and what we need to do to really address racism in Canada, in North America, and across the world. But that's going to be for another podcast. But I've been doing this work for years, and I'm going to be sharing with you the work I've been doing, working with Indigenous communities, with Black communities, and also being somebody, I call myself a quasi-Indigenous individual because I was born in Malawi, Africa. I am Black. I am brown because I'm also part Indian and I'm also white. So my life operates at the intersection of those three cultures, races, ethnicities, and it's made my life very interesting, but I'll save that for the other podcast. But it's so important that we elevate the voices of Indigenous and Black people of color now more than ever but really ongoing into the future and looking back into the past, we need to elevate those voices because of the fact that they're important voices. There is so much tradition, history, culture, oppression, um, repression, um, and we need to move that conversation. We need to um, listen to the voices, listen to the stories, because it's by understanding those stories and relating to them and internalizing them into our own individual beings that we are truly going to be able to step into a world of anti-racism, step into a world of elevating people and truly bringing a world, bringing about equality and equality not as it's been defined and known in our current day context where we're trying to you know for example have women and men earn equal pay for the same job or having indigenous black people of color earn equal pay um, next to their white male uh, colleagues it is much, much more than that. And so I'll be discussing that in our next podcast. Um, but with the 22 million campaign, what the reason why we, it is important that we elevate these voices is because of the fact that Indigenous and Black and people of color, of all colors, tend to have higher rates of uh, depression, diabetes, heart disease, and chronic diseases. And the World Health Organization has declared that these chronic diseases is a result of the oppression experienced because of colonization. And so I'll be talking more about that as well. This 22 million tour is also about, uh, it is also part of my doctoral research that I'm doing at Railroads University. We're going to be making a documentary of this tour as well and of the conversations and stories that come out of the wonderful communities that we are going to be working with, working alongside. And so we're going to be doing that as our 22 million. 
why it is a tour, it's because of the fact that we need to get face-to-face -face with people. COVID has shown us what happens when we isolate, and now we need to come back together into community, get face-to-face -face with people, and we need to have real conversations, looking each other eye-to-eye, -eye, standing shoulder-to-shoulder, -shoulder, if we are going to really see, be able to co-create the solutions to the problems that we are experiencing in the 21st century. Now, so much more about the 22 million tour will be discussed in another solo podcast that I will be doing to dive deeper into why we have created this tour. But for now, just know that you can participate by donating. The link is going to be in the show notes. You can show your love by coming and joining me on some practice runs as I over the next 10 months and practice rides as I get ready for the tour. Um, and you know, so much more to discuss there, but definitely check out our website at richerhealth.ca and at nicoletteriche.com and at thegreenmustache.com. That's our collection of plant-based whole food restaurants that we have. We currently have five locations and we have 10 more opening up in New York after COVID um, isolation lifts and the borders reopen, hopefully one day soon. And so, now let's jump back into this podcast with Dr. Haley. I am so glad to have him on our show today. Also, thank you to all the listeners that are out there. Thank you for subscribing to our podcast and also for sharing our show with all of your friends and family that need to hear the messages that we share on this podcast because it can truly help them turn their life around and heal their bodies of the chronic disease epidemic that is plaguing our society. So thanks for sharing our show with everyone. Bye for now. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Eat Real to Heal podcast. I am your host, Nicolette Richet, and on today's show, we have Dr. Michael Haley on the show to talk to us about aloe vera, health, wellness, and so much more. So thank you, Dr. Haley, for being on the show. It's a pleasure to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. So, you know, as with all my guests that I bring onto the show, uh, everybody has their specialty, right? We've had the penis doctor on the show who really specializes in men's health. We've had, you know, doctor, um, doctors on the show to talk about, you know, multiple sclerosis. And one thing that we have not covered on our show is the topic of aloe vera. And I wasn't, I like to get more into the healing stories of my individual clients or humans out there who have used food as medicine and alternative um, healing to reverse their chronic degenerative diseases. That is the main topic of our show. But the reason I decided to cover, um, have you on the show and cover aloe vera is because um, aloe vera was actually used a lot in the healing process of my dear friend, Bill Nasby, who at 72 had been diagnosed with cancer. And mm. he actually, he did the Gerson therapy. So that was predominantly the main um, therapy that he did. But aloe vera was something that he would wake up every morning, he would make it himself, he would juice it and he would drink it and it was part of his healing. And I've been drinking aloe juice for years and years without really diving too much into the research because I think I just really understood and bought into it. It's like 20 years ago that I haven't questioned it much until I started reading about it a lot until you actually, um, somebody on your team reached out to ask to be on our show. So I really want to dive into the background of that. But before we do, I want to 
go way back. Let's go way, way, way back and tell me about how you ended up getting into chiropractic care. What was the story behind you wanting to be a chiropractic doctor? I feel so selfish answering that and ridiculous. I feel ridiculous, but I'm going to go for it anyway. See, when I was like 12, 13 years old, my father went to a chiropractor because he couldn't move. And uh, within a couple of days, he was doing so much better. And the chiropractor said, you know, you have to, you have kids, you have a family, you have to bring them. Everyone has to come. I was the only one that went. I felt great. I didn't have any problems. I just wanted to see what he did to my dad and how, how my dad got better. And at the time I was playing football and I remember this chiropractor, Dr. Fisher, never forget him. What an amazing guy. We're, we're literally going back 40 years ago. And uh, he knew that I was interested in sports and he did a few things to me and I felt amazing. And I remember going out on the football field and running and I just felt like I was floating. I felt different. I felt better. And to me, it was almost like he did this like Jesus thing, raising the dead on me. And I wanted to be like Jesus. So (laughs) (laughs) it's true. I wanted to be the miracle worker because that's what I just experienced. Uh, so I went to chiropractic school and uh, I've seen miracles not only through chiropractic but through tremendous life changes which I think chiropractic is just an entry point into that people come to us crippled in pain and we have the option the opportunity to give them something that gets their attention and then all of a sudden say, but let me really, really help you. Let me show you how to do things. Let me show you how to live a better life, how to eat better, how to think better, how to sleep better. And there's so much more than chiropractor. There's so much more than just mm-hmm. diet. You know, there's a whole lifestyle that goes with it. Yeah. And that's the part that um, I find interesting is that, you know, in our still current day, this day and age, you know, for when a lot of people get sick, and we're talking about like, probably about 80 to 90% of the people get sick, they think their GP is the, the answer to all, like, let's just go to the doctor and ask them, you know, why am I sick? And how do I get better? But people don't realize that they have to 100% have this toolbox in front of them, which consists of all of these different um, you know, professional practices. So you need to, you know, have a chiropractic doctor on your team, you know, having a naturopath on your team, having somebody who understands nutrition and maybe later on in life, somebody who understands hormonal health and, you know, also then having your food, understanding sleep, how important that is. And, you know, we have so many people talking about this, but yet it feels like, you know, people just take it for granted how important sleep is, how important movement is. And I'm not talking about extreme exercise, but just movement every day. Um, and then uh, and then additionally, all these other things that you can do looking at the natural plant world as medicine as well. And it's so, so important. But I can relate to your story 100% about that feeling of walking on air and feeling so light after chiropractic treatment. And if it wasn't for my chiropractor, um, I know I'd still be suffering from from, you know, the post-birthing, you know, pelvic shifting um, ailments that I went through that stopped me. Like I wasn't able to move. I wasn't able to walk after I gave birth to my third child. And it was a chiropractor that fixed me after Mm -hmm. 
literally going to see, I don't know, five or six or seven other practitioners, like a physio and a different chiropractor who wasn't able to help. Um, they were just too scared to get in there and really see what was going on. And my chiropractor in the city, like I had to drive two hours to go see him, but it was worth it because within five minutes, literally, I felt like I was walking on air when I couldn't even lift my feet off the ground because my pelvic had, my pelvis had shifted in two different directions. So it's so important for people to understand the, the um, benefit that this can bring you. So then, okay. So when you went into chiropractic care, how, how long ago was that that you well, started studying? Can I, can I back up on something you said that I absolutely love? Yeah. You went to a chiropractor and it didn't quite work. So you found another chiropractor. Yeah. I, you know, that I think is such a key because, oh, it didn't work or he hurt me or, you know, probiotics don't work. I tried probiotics. They don't work. Guess what? There's other probiotics. Totally. You know, there's other chiropractors. There's other kinds of exercise. There's other, you know, so I love the fact that you recognize that and didn't say, oh, this doesn't work because we all have our special areas within our professions, whether totally. it's, you know, there's different kinds of diets and my kind of diet might not be right for you. I might not be the right dietitian for you, but there's other dietitians, some that focus on uh, cancer, some that focus on gut health, some that focus on losing weight, maximizing performance. Totally. We all have our little specialties. And I love the fact that you recognize that and said, let me go to the, another one. Yeah. So. And that's the part about, I mean, I've had, being, I used to teach yoga for years as well, in addition to doing my work in government. So it was, you know, it was a, you know, um, you know, on the side of my desk, yoga teacher. And it was one of the things I'd hear from a lot of students as well. They're like, oh, I don't do yoga because I didn't like that one teacher. And I'm like, what? There's like 10,000, if not like 10 million other yoga instructors now. And also there's many different types of yoga from, you know, karmic yoga. So the act of just volunteering and giving um, of serve and being of service to somebody, or you can be on the mat doing power yoga, flow yoga, vinyasa, yin style, you know, there's so many different types of yoga. And, but it was amazing. Like I was so shocked by people's mentality when they would say like, oh, I've tried it and I didn't like it. And I was like, but there's a whole world that you're missing, you know, and it's the same for anything in life. Like whether you go to school and you don't like a university, well, there's so many other teachers and professors who can teach that same subject matter in such a different way that's compelling and energizing and makes you want to learn as opposed to just giving up on it. So listeners, if you have heard yourself ever say that before, that I tried it once and it didn't work, then you need to get back in and try it again, but just try it with somebody else. Yeah, yeah. well said. Yeah, no, it's so important. So yeah, so when did you go to chiropractic school? Tell me about that. And what was that like at the time? You know, I actually got sidetracked because uh, my um, counselor in school said that I wasn't smart enough to be a doctor. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. um, but eventually, so after a few years in business, and I did well in business, but I said, no, I really, I really want to do that Jesus thing. Uh, <laughs> so I went to chiropractic school and I graduated in 1995. Um, I've been practicing for about 25 years now. Um, I still practice. My practice is smaller because I'm uh, busy with something else. And, you know, I, I love the fact that there's a lot of good chiropractors. A lot of people will only come to me and I take time and I make sure I see them. But I recognize they're going to pass 20, 25 good chiropractors on their way to me. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of good chiropractors out there. I'm the only guy doing what I'm doing in my nutrition company. Um, and it's a definite need. So I focus on that. 
I still see patients. I love chiropractic. But 25 years ago, I graduated Life Chiropractic College. And, um, you know, my our, our mentor over there was Dr. Sid Williams, which was, um, he was an interesting character. And he taught us a lot of brilliant, brilliant things, not only chiropractic principles of um, how the body works above, down, inside, out, and the flow of the nervous system. Something that has to come up today. I, I love the fact that, you know, he wrote a pamphlet about 40 years ago. Uh, I think it was called, When is a Potato a Pill? Mm. And we have to think about these things because, you know, oh, you have this issue, um, you know, uh, pain, uh, take a magnesium bath. That's your, that's your answer. Mm -hmm. No, that's something that might benefit you. But I, I just played medical doctor looking at one symptom and giving you something to combat that one symptom instead of giving you a lifestyle change. What's causing the pain? What are you doing to yourself that's, you know, getting you in this situation to begin with? Why is your body so inflamed? What's your, what's your diet like? What's your exercise like? What's your sleep pattern like? What, what, what's going on up here in your brain? What's, your, what's affecting your body chemistry, making it so swollen? Yeah. You know, so uh, I Life Chiropractic College, love Dr. Sid Williams, and we learned so much from him. Um, he passed, uh, I don't know, probably a decade ago now, um, but his content lives on forever. So I love the name of that pamphlet too. So when is a potato a pill? And it's funny that you mentioned that particular pamphlet because of the fact that, you know, I teach the Gerson protocol to my clients and potato is a fundamental um ingredient in a lot of the recipes because of the fact that it is also such a perfect food in so many ways and it's been given such a bad rap um, due to really poor science and you know nutritionists you know only looking at one tiny aspect of how the potato works in a body and often a diseased body so for sure you know if you are diabetic and you eat a potato yes it could be considered high on the glycemic index but not when your um, endothelial cells are clean and well and you know you can actually cross insulin across the cell walls and across the vascular walls so then it's it's again it's like an example of how one little tiny aspect is totally blown out of proportion or when one little tiny thing is considered the end all be all solution so i love that you have that mentality because of the fact that we're about to dive into the topic of aloe vera as well, and the work that you do with your nutrition company. And I don't want people to also think that, you know, aloe vera is the end all be all, but we also want to discover how aloe vera is actually also something that does heal the body in so many different ways. It's not just one pathway that it takes to do that. So, okay. So then as you started transitioning, you know, less into doing chiropractic care and more into a nutrition company. Um, let's talk about that. Like what was the impetus for you, um, you know, studying nutrition and, and diving more into that? Because not all chiropractors out there and just like not all physios or not all medical doctors understand nutrition. They're, right, they're like, right. let's leave that good to nutritionists. I specialize in this one little tiny section of the body, which is actually what this one wrist doctor, um, an orthopedic surgeon said to me, he's like, I know nothing about how the liver works because I only study these, you know, 10 bones in the wrist. And I was like, oh, that's so sad. So let's talk about how you, do you dove into the world of nutrition. I, I had this um, one nutrition teacher at Life Chiropractic College, um, you know, 28 years ago. And he taught me a different perspective of nutrition. 
um, he separated it from diet. He said, this is what you eat and that will affect your nutrition. It will affect the chemistry inside your body. It will affect your plasma chemistry, your blood chemistry, but your real nutrition is the blood chemistry. What affects that? Well, let me see if I exercise, I build up lactic acid. Uh, you know, I'm changing my chemistry in my muscles and in my body. If I think good thoughts, you know, certain uh, enzymes and chemical processes happen. And if I think bad thoughts, you know, bad chemical processes happen. When I sleep, the chemistry in my spinal fluid changes. Um, there's so many things that affect our blood chemistry. We can actually improve our nutrition just by thinking good thoughts mm -hmm. or by a healthy walk or by a good night's sleep. Okay, so, so I, have to, I have to stop you there because I need you to explain that more to our listeners. And the part that I find really fascinating about what you said is that you led with this 25 years ago, you were learning this. And what makes me so sad is that 25 years has passed and this is still not mainstream common knowledge despite the neuroscience um, you know, evidence-based medicine that is out there that is actually proving this. So can you explain that to our listeners? Because I know that they're like, what are you talking about right now? So explain how that works, that our brain and our thoughts affect our body chemistry. Yeah, and, and these thoughts are nothing uh, new. You know, I mean, written uh, probably four or 5,000 years ago, there was something written that said something like a joyful heart is good medicine, healing to the bones. And it makes sense. You know, you've heard that laughing is good medicine. We know scientifically that um, good thoughts affect our chemistry in a good way, and negative thoughts affect our body chemistry in a negative way. We know there was research done on uh, monkeys where they exchanged their spinal fluid, and they were able to keep you know certain monkeys awake and certain monkeys asleep by changing their spinal fluid. You know, the one that got a good night rest, we just inject that into the one that's been awake. And we take the one that's been awake and we inject that into the one that's been, you know, and they would trade them back and forth kind of thing, keeping one a lot, one in sleep and one awake. Of course, the one that never got sleep eventually died. The, these things that we do, the, the sleep and the good thoughts and, and the exercise, there's, you know, we know that when you uh, get into high intensity training, you're more likely to affect your, you know, the, the growth hormones and things of that nature. Um, your, you know, there's, there's certain chemical cardiovascular benefits, not only for conditioning, but, you know, blood cleaning and during the lower volume and, you know, less intense exercises, there's different chemical changes that happen with different kinds of exercise. Um, as we start doing these things and recognizing, you know, have you ever had negative thoughts and you feel wiped out? What happened? You know, you had a hard, stressful day. Things up here changed your chemistry, used up your energy, you're wiped out now. These things affect our blood chemistry, affect our nutrition. Now, the easiest way to affect our blood chemistry is probably by the things we consume. Diet plays a large role in it. And the quickest explanation I, I could give is if I, you know, took a couple shots of whiskey within a few minutes, maybe even faster, I'd start feeling different because this would go into my body, right into my bloodstream and have a powerful effect. I can't get that kind of result that quick with sleep. <laughs> it takes a little mm -hmm. longer. Yeah. You know, so we, we have to be especially aware of what we're putting in our mouth and how that affects our blood chemis chemistry. But we can't 
just ignore the other things and think I eat great. Um, you know, when I was young, I used to think, well, I, I don't have to eat great because I can exercise anything into good stuff. Um, I, I now have a son that thinks that way. And I understand it because mm -hmm. I used to think that way. Yeah, I say no, that all the time. Yeah, you cannot exercise your way out of a bad lifestyle or a bad diet, especially. So like what you put into your body, also what you put on your body, right? Because our skin is a massive organ. So we do have to pay attention to that because I see that all the time. People are super hyper-conscious about what they're eating, but then they're lathering their body in all of these chemicals, you know, and it's, and I get it. It's hard to you know, differentiate what is good from what is bad because the marketing out there is pretty slick. A lot of money goes into marketing, you know, a lot of these products to tell us that they're healthy and that they're organic. But, you know, at the end of the day, we find out still that a lot of, you know, chemicals are in these products. So what do you do? What do you say to your son? Let's dive into that because I know a lot of parents are listening. How old is your son, by the way? I can't tell you what I said to him, okay, because there's too many people. I'm going to, yeah, I'm pretty direct with him, and I use some pretty strong words <laughs> about what really happens and what he's really putting into his body. Right. Um, but, you know, he's, uh, he's 15. He's ready to get his, you know, learner's permit and start driving and stuff. He's at that age. He knows it all. He's a better driver than me. Yeah. He's smart. You know what I'm talking about. I have a 15-year-old daughter. Same, same. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Uh, you know, love him to death and stuff. And I used to be him, so I get it. But, um, you know, and I, I have to backtrack a little bit too, because you said, yeah. you know, the things you put on your skin, you know, doctors give drugs through the skin, hormone patches, pain relieving patches. Um, the skin eats, drinks, and excretes just like the epithelial tissue in your gut. That it's like the same organ. It's like it's like when you were formed. It's like you know you 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 were a ball of cells that somehow was pushed in and met in the middle in the tube, and that tube is still an external environment. The things you eat have to go through that tube to actually end up in your bloodstream. If you start thinking of your gut and your skin as the same organ, now all of a sudden what you put on your skin is very very important. You know there's. There's, there's chemicals in cosmetics, in um, bug sprays, in, you know, uh, make sure you, you know, if you're going to go outside, you don't want those pesky mosquitoes, right? You have to have DEET. No! <laughs> you know, there's um, natural plant extracts that can help keep the bugs away from you and not uh, you know, put harmful, dangerous, unknown, what's going to happen, chemicals into your body. Yeah. We have to change the way we think about what we eat, what we put on our skin. Yeah. And just to, and I love the, that analogy that you said, you know, we are this tube that essentially can be inverted. And I like to get people to, because for some of you out there, you might remember that toy that was, it's a tube full of gel or water and you can just keep pushing it inside itself and then that inside comes out and it just keeps rolling and you hold it in your hands and it slips through your hands because it's completely inverting in itself. So I don't know for the people who are listening, if you remember that toy, we'll try and put a picture of it in the show notes. But that is exactly like your body. If you didn't have a skeletal system to stop you from doing that, you could literally invert yourself literally from mouth to anus, right? Because it's just one long tube. And then your insides, that same endothelial cells are the same as what's on the skin. Obviously there's slight differences, but they're basically doing the same thing. It's permeable membrane that allows 
good things to get in and bad things to get out. But if you don't take care of it, that's when the bad things get in and the good things can't get in. So it's just really important for people to understand when Michael's, you know, explaining that to know that you're inside of your body and you're outside of your body, they're one in the same and they're interconnected and inextricably linked. So just picture that. Okay. As, as you're learning from him. Okay. Awesome. And because, you know, if we are that little squishy ball that, you know, you'd be able to roll on your finger and, you know, keep on going in and, you know, if that's the case, and it is the case, then your skin's probably also a picture of what's happening on the inside. Yes. Well so, you know, if you're having skin problems, dry skin, um, inflammatory skin, cracked heels, even, you know, whatever's going on, um, on the outside is probably uh, amplified on the inside, more apparent on the inside. Yeah, I just had a client recently and she has systemic yeast um, candida overgrowth, which a lot of my clients will have that because they have all these other chronic diseases. And we never get in there and just treat the candida like through a, you know, a candida cleanse or sugar cleanse because we found that that never helps. Um, but what we do is we treat the entire body through nutrients, sleep, um, and other lifestyle factors. And then what we see is that they heal. But what's amazing is that you see the yeast come out in their feet. Like when you said about cracked heels and uh, you know, in this one client, like her feet were just covered in yeast on the outside, but so was her tongue. And so if you, you know, if we could put that camera inside of her, um, if it wasn't so invasive, we would also see that the internal, um, you know, membrane structure would also be coated in this excessive yeast overgrowth as well. So what happens on the outside is happening on the inside and vice versa. So yeah, I love that you brought that up. Great. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's just a, it's, it's a way we have to start thinking about the things we put in us. And if that's the case, you know, what's inside us and on our skin, there's a microbiome um, that we have to protect. And as we're putting these, you know, chemicals, people think, you know, well, what's killing us? Antibiotics. It must be antibiotics. I don't take antibiotics. Okay. Are you eating conventional foods? Do you eat animal foods? Guess what? Um, they're probably fed antibiotics. It's probably part of their diet. Jordan Rubin put it this way. He said, people think they give, they treat the animals with antibiotics. He said, that's not what it is. They, they give the, the animals antibiotics so that they can mistreat them. Hmm. It's in the food. Yeah. Um, and as we, you know, you, you've heard it well said that you are what you eat. Well, if that's true, and you're eating animal foods, if they are what they ate, then, you know, and you're eating them, then you are what they ate. Um, this stuff gets passed on down to us. Um, you know, the, the chemicals in the food, the, the um, genetically modified organisms, people don't realize, a lot of people don't realize that genetically modified organisms, what is it? Well, flagship corn, uh, Roundup Ready. It means that it can now handle being sprayed by, you know, these herbicides to kill all the weeds. So, well, what, what is that? What's an herbicide? It's something that's designed to kill. When you eat things that are designed to kill, does it know to stop killing all of a sudden? And what about bugs? A lot of people don't realize that when it comes to the genetic modifications is the sharp protein. And the sharp protein is essentially in every single cell of the corn plant. When insects eat this, it essentially explodes their guts. When we eat this, does it know to stop jabbing guts? We have these thicker intestines, and maybe it's not going to explode us, but could it just be possibly irritating our intestines, inflaming 
us. That's genetic modification for the most part. It's not growing bigger, better crops. It's resistant to pesticides. It's um, uh, or re resistant to herbicides, making its own pesticides. That's the kind of modifications that are put into the food. And when we eat these things that are designed to kill herbicides and pesticides, do they know to stop killing? I love to ask people this question, and I, I always get the same answer 100% of the time. Um, eventually, I'm going to start hearing people that have heard me ask this question before, but I like to ask people, what is the purpose of a preservative? Mm. Most people will answer that and they say, well, it's to make the food last longer. That's the side effect. The purpose is to kill. It's to kill mold, yeast, fungus, and bacteria. As a food scientist, if we have a particular food item or a cosmetic, we're going to manufacture this and then put it through some microbiology testing and see what happens. Things are growing in it. We need, to, we need a better preservative system. What's growing in it? Fungus. Oh, we need something that's stronger against fungus. Well, we also have this bacteria. bacteria. Let's add a preservative that's strong against that. And as, uh, as scientists, we figure out the balance of chemicals that we need to kill mold, yeast, fungus, and bacteria. And that's our preservative system. We'll mm -hmm. even expose it to uh, bacteria. We'll, we'll infect it with a certain bacteria to make sure there's a certain logarithmic reduction of that bacteria to make sure that you know, it's, it has some kind of shelf life and then we'll put it through some shelf life testing. The purpose of preservatives is to kill. When you eat, food with preservatives in it, or when you put cosmetics with preservatives on your skin, do they know to stop killing all of a sudden? Yeah. You know, this is, your show is called? Eat Real to Heal. Eat Real to Heal. Um, what's the real? The real is that, you know, the food, it comes from the earth and then there's minimal processing. So if anything, you're going to wash it then you're going to chop it. You might eat it raw. You're going to cook it. You might bake it. You might blend it. You might, you know, manipulate it in those ways with your kitchen equipment, and then you just consume it. So it's real whole food that is not manipulated, processed, preserved, um, you know, manufactured in any way. And it's consumed within probably less than five days. You know, one of the things we have, you know, a chain of plant-based whole food, 100% organic restaurants, and our food has to get tested all the time, just like any restaurant does. But it's funny because every time our food gets tested, the health inspectors are always like, well, how come there's not very much bacteria? Like, you know, it, like unhealthy bacteria in it. And I said, well, it's because we make it fresh every day and it's consumed fresh every day. And then we repeat the process the next day. If anything, our food is maybe two days in our cafe after we've cooked it and, and processed it. You know, I have my fingers saying processed um, right. because it's very much not meaning the same thing as when you have food that's made in a factory. Our food is made in a farm and then cooked in our kitchen and then served to our customers. So that's what real means to us. That's what it means to me too. Uh, you know, the other day I was at the grocery store and the, there was a rather large family and not because, not in number, but you know, there was a few of them and they were all larger than normal and, and in their car. And that, this isn't the case for everybody. Some people have, you know, hormonal challenges and stuff, but I'm confident that this was their food choices. And they had a cart full of uh, sodas. They had, um, you know, they had cleaned out the aisle. It looked like of those, you know, those orange crackers with like the peanut butter stuff in it that has a yeah. shelf life of like two years. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what the shelf life is on it. Probably but, 20. <laughs> yeah. But that is not 
real food. No. In fact, I wouldn't even say that it's food because real food or food doesn't have those things in it. It's exactly what you described. It's, you know, it, it, it's available. You, you go out and you harvest it and, and you bring it in and you prepare it. And, you know, the only re reason it has a, uh, a shelf life of, you know, so many days is because we have refrigeration and things like that that can exactly. slow down um, the decomposition of it. Uh, you know, the, the eventually bacteria will take it over. And in the early phases, this bacteria probably is even beneficial for you. Mm. Yeah. Um, but at a certain point in time, it's like, wait, there was nothing to stop mold, yeast, fungus, and bacteria. So they consumed it all. And now it's no longer what I intended it to be. So I'm no longer going to choose to eat this particular food. But it's real food spoils. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. If real food doesn't have a shelf life. Real food right. is, you know, has to be consumed right away, basically. And if it can last more than five days, then that's a problem because either it's going to become toxic to your body because it has too much bad bacteria now growing or because it's been preserved through chemicals that are, you know, human made and those are going to harm our body. I'm laughing because something you said uh, just triggered something in my mind. A lot of people ask me why our aloe vera isn't certified by the IASC, the International Aloe Science Council. And one reason is we've never paid the fee, but the reason we've never paid their certification fee is because we are not certifiable. One of their requirements is having a two-year shelf life. We have a real aloe vera. We can, you can keep it frozen for a long time um, and kind of stop the aging process but it doesn't have a shelf life. You can't put it on a shelf in a store for two years. Certifications don't always mean better. And that includes organic certifications. Organic is not the highest standard. Do I shop organic? Absolutely. Is it the highest standard? No, I actually choose a higher standard. I grow as much food as I can for myself um, and we grow it organically, but it's a higher standard. Don't always, just think, oh, it's certified, so it has to be good. Yeah, and that's a really important point too, because you know, even though we are a hundred percent organic restaurant, I we always try and educate our customers that you know to go beyond that, you have to look at the soil that the food is grown in. That's really important, right? So adding compost and you know manures and whatever else to the soil to regenerate the soil and regenerate the microbiome. Exactly what we're doing internally to our gut health system inside of our you know bodies, um, and that's a higher standard. But then even higher than that, like we can always do better and better. So it's also looking at you know who's picking your food right? How are the people who are handling the food being treated as well? How long does your food have to travel for before it gets to you? So even though it's organic and you're buying it in New Zealand and it takes, you know, six months to be shipped here and it was picked before it was ripe and then it has to, you know, get sprayed with a gas so it doesn't, you know, get moldy during transport and then it's aging with no sunlight, like that also, that has to be considered. So there's so many factors. And I love that you brought that up, that you're growing your food because, you know, a lot of people look at COVID as being, you know, so terrible and everything. And I get that for sure. Mm. If you've lost family members to COVID during this pandemic, but at the same time, we're seeing more people growing food. And this literally is a blessing, like the biggest blessing of COVID, I think. 
It is. Yeah. Uh, we have aloe vera plants on our um, website and um, we don't ship them during the winter time. And it was winter time uh, when this happened, but all of a sudden people started um, pre-ordering them, you know, um, like never before. And uh, we see the same pattern and it is, there is some blessing in all of this, uh, all of these challenges. Um, people are growing food. They're getting back to, you know, being at home, being with their family. It's a bit. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Let's talk about aloe vera then, because it's been, you know, we said we were going to talk about it and I would love to dive into that. And then I want to get back to your nutrition company and really cover everything that you do. But let's talk about the aloe because you did bring up a good point there is that yours doesn't have meet that shelf life requirement of two years. And I was just recently reading that something like 98% of aloe vera products that you buy on the shelf at your health food store or order online barely contains one to 2% of actual aloe vera ingredients right. in there. So let's talk about yeah. that. And how is your product different? Well, you know, some people actually will try to duplicate what we do and they'll actually purchase their leaves from the store. Um, going back to something you said just a minute ago, um, right currently the video, the front, the, the headline video on our YouTube channel shows a leaf purchased in the store the day they came in compared to a leaf that I took off my plant at home. And I had been harvesting them one week apart on this particular video and writing the date on it so that you could see what the change looked like over time. And it appeared that the leaf that showed up in the store was harvested about one month prior before showing up for the mm -hmm. first time in this particular grocery store. So sometimes even fresh produce isn't fresh. Yeah. Now, when it comes to most other juice companies, there's really four big uh, aloe vera farms that are supplying most of the aloe vera companies. And take what I say and don't just apply it to aloe vera. You know, do you like grape juice, orange juice, or whatever it is that, that you like and enjoy? Um, you know, there's very, there's a lot of companies, there's a lot of brands, but a handful of farms producing them for these many brands. Yeah. In the case of aloe vera, four primary farms. And most of them are supplying a particular company in Florida, one of the largest distributors that then resells to the various aloe companies. Mm. Why is this important? Because they're starting with primarily the same thing. Meaning, I've, been, I've, I've seen the process at three out of the four big farms. Uh, they primarily, you know, either hand fillet the aloe leaves or they run them through a machine that will grind them and fillet them and turn the, this into a mush, something that's drinkable. Some of them use a pretty clean process with the hand fillet where they'll get a lot of the outer leaf content out. Others kind of just mush it all together and then filter it out. But they pretty much all go through the same process of we're going to call it decolorization and de aromization. In fact, there's a video on the International Aloe Science Council website that shows these same processes. So they go through a process that takes out the color and takes out the aroma. And why are they doing that? Why are they doing that? To standardize it, to standardize the product. And the way they do this, um, imagine a big, uh, a big mixing tank. There's a big paddle in it, a homogenizing paddle, and they dump big bags of diatomaceous earth and activated carbon in it, um, stir it into this big carbon-like slurry, and then they put it through a pressure filter, and what comes out is this clear liquid. It's thinner, and it's clear. It has less taste and less aroma. Now, 
in food, what is color, taste, and aroma? Yeah, the nutrients, the phytochemicals, all the minerals and enzymes and everything that you need to be like, it's the health, right? Yeah. One of the reasons we like organic food is because it has more nutrition. And, you know, sometimes, you know, if we take a, a you know, an organic beet, it might be smaller, but it's going to be darker and, and just, you know, explode with um, flavor and taste compared to a one that's big and giant, uh, probably not quite that same amount of flavor because there's less nutrients in it. Uh, so they're essentially taking these things out to standardize it. Now, as they filter it, pasteurize it and add preservatives to it, if we were to test that, remember filtering is taking out nutrients. So of course it's gonna have less of the uh, biochemical markers that you know, show aloe vera, that this is actually mm -hmm. aloe vera because we filtered it. Yeah. Um, what, what we do, I, I got to take it a step further because remember all these juice companies are doing the same thing. Um, I was shocked to find out this. When they pasteurize it at 170 degrees, they have these big 55 gallon drums because that's what's convenient to ship back to the United States because most of these things come from other countries. These big 55 gallon drums then get reprocessed. They hot fill the big plastic drums. Now they have liners in them, but guess what? The liners are made out of plastic. Yeah. Now, I'm not, a, I'm not completely against plastic. I think there's a safe use for it and a bad use for it. I agree. 170 degrees, putting your food in that is not good. I'm not going to take a plastic bag and microwave in it. I'm not going to put 170 degree liquid into it. Yeah. But that's what they do. Why do they do that? So they can hot seal the drum and know that it's dead. Everything in there is dead. We've hot sealed it, put the preservative chemicals in it. Now we're going to ship it to the United States for them to sell to other companies. Some are going to reprocess it, add their own new preservatives to it. The ones they add is what you see on the label, not the ones that were added at the original right. farm. Some of them are going to put these in glass bottles and sell them to you. Like you think it came out of the field and has never been in plastic, but it was at 170 degrees. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. And denatured and then literally watered down as well. And so, yeah, of course, by the time it gets to you, you know, you've paid all this money for this beautiful packaging. You paid all this money for the processing process, but that's what you're paying for. You're not paying money for the health benefits of it. And, and some are not necessarily watering it down, but adding other things to it, like juicing, yeah. which juices, they're adding fruit juices and stuff, and they're selling it as an aloe drink. It's that tastes good. Yeah. Um, but remember, it was watered down, not necessarily on the front end by adding water. No, but I but mean, what? Yeah. Adding by other. taking out stuff as yeah. you know, you, you're taking something that's, you know, 97% water or whatever it is, and then you're filtering it. So now it's 99% water. You know, mm. you've taken out a lot of the what made it nutritious. And it's thinner and it shakes and it splashes like water. And in the case of aloe vera gel, if you were to purchase an aloe vera gel, a shelf stable aloe vera gel, chances are on the ingredients is going to be something like carrageenan as a thickening agent. Why would they do that? Because they took the stuff out that makes it thick. It's no longer thick. And we now have to put something back in to make you think you have actual gel. It's not gel. 
So, you know, one thing that it's, you're bringing up with all of this, um, this part of the conversation is the fact that this is also happening to our olive oil. This is happening to our honeys. This is happening to pretty much, you know, anything you buy on a shelf in a grocery store, that's what's happened to it. You think that you're getting 100% organic virgin olive oil, but you're getting oil that's been through like intense manufacturing, heated, preserved, packaged, mixed with other things, then sent. And then exactly like you said, we know this from, there's an amazing documentary for, you know, any of the honey eaters out there that, you know, the honey, like it's a commodity and it literally is so watered down. And it's at the end of the day, you're not even getting honey. You're getting you know, a mix of corn syrup, chemicals, um, preservatives, and then the flavoring of honey. It's not even honey. And then, like you said, all these fillers to make it thicker and everything like that too. Like it's absolutely insane. So what do we, so what, what is the average consumer supposed to do then and how, and how is your product different? Uh, well, you know, the, the average consumer does have to make a decision because it, you know, there is a financial decision involved and, and things that are better for you tend to be more expensive because they're more expensive for us to manufacture, more expensive for us to store. Um, in the case of aloe vera, I like to be a little humorous about it. And, uh, you know, if we're talking about the other, other brands, you know, aloe vera is a amazing, amazing food. And I like to say it's kind of like intimacy that even when it's bad, it's still pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not the same. <laughs> it's not the same. Um, what we do is we actually um, hand fillet the aloe leaves. Uh, first, we bleed them, uh, which means you cut the ends off so the laxative effect bleeds out of them. Some people want that. If you want that, it's not in ours. Um, by bleeding it out, uh, we're getting rid of the bitterness. Um, we're getting rid of, we're, a lot, we're making it so that you can actually consume much more and have physiological effects that you might desire, such as uh, speed healing guts. Mm -hmm. We, after bleeding it out, wash the leaves and then skin them. And now you got these jelly things that essentially slide into a grinder. We push them through a 110 feet of stainless steel pipe that goes back and forth and has circulating cold liquid on the outside so that it goes in at the field temperature, comes out at about 50 degrees Fahrenheit. We put that liquid into containers that go into the freezer for immediate freezing. We call that uh, fresh frozen because we're sucking the heat out and getting it frozen as quickly as possible. Yes, grow your own leaves, fillet them yourself, blend them, that's the best you can do. I'm absolutely certain we're the second best to the best you can do. I love that. So now, okay, so then you ship it, do you ship it frozen or how does it get shipped to you? Well, it leaves here frozen. We do our best with that. Um, you yeah. know, in controlling costs, um, we, we don't add dry ice to it or anything like that. Um, and we have minimum orders of, um, of uh, two half gallon bottles because if we do less than that, it just melts too fast. Right. But we put it and we do have to, we have to use styrofoam for now. Um, we like to think green. So we're hope, hoping that people that purchase the bottles, the two bottles in styrofoam will, if it's something that they want to continue to use, we hope that they'll order it by the bucket instead because we don't have to put that in styrofoam. It's, right. a, it's four gallons frozen in one of those five gallon buckets. Why four gallons? Because it gets bigger when you freeze it. But 
that will stay cold and mostly frozen, shipping even all the way across the country, melting on the way to you so you can pour it into, distribute it into smaller containers and then put them back in the freezer to take out as necessary. Um, we hope that people would think green, choose that option. It's a lot cheaper per bottle because we don't have mm. all the you know, styrofoam and packaging costs and everything else associated with it. Your you know, cost per um, half gallon comes down for shipping as well um, because you know, when, with shipping, you pay so much up front and then mm -hmm. a little bit increases as the weight goes up. So definitely the better, greener way to go, more cost efficient and... Uh, we hope that people will upgrade to the buckets for the future. Awesome. And so, and from the way, and I watched the video of how you process your aloe as well. I think it's so, and everybody should watch it because it's really, it was a beautiful process when you see the aloe plant being cut. Then when you see the bleeding of that laxative, um, like chemicals, you know, that comes out of the, the ends and then how you fillet it. And then it's this beautiful, you know, brilliantly slimy, you know, translucent, um, you know, uh, organism that's still, you know, a lot of life in there. And then, you know, to see how, and I love how you just like, if you were obviously growing your own aloe, you would do this, but then just blend it in your Vitamix, right. And then drink it and, you know, in yeah, I'll, I'll put it in last. Like I won't blend it with the Vitamix, but if I was, um, you know, making a juice smoothie or making a, you know, putting in frozen berries or whatever the case, and I would get all of that done and then I'd pour my aloe in and maybe flash mix it in at the end because the aloe will foam up just a bit. Right. Okay. So good. That's a good note. And so it's an incredible process to see, but to know that your product is coming to you, you know, almost in a very similar fashion. I mean, compared to what you described from a lot of the other manufacturers that are mass producing the aloe to ship to somebody else. I'll still use it and then you get it in that bottle um so then with the um i want to go back and let's let's just talk about why aloe like what is aloe what are the benefits why should we even consume this you know most people know that when you put aloe vera on a sunburn it heals faster and the best way i can describe it imagine i just lobsterized myself went out with my shirt off and laid out for a couple hours at that first sun of the summer you know and just turn red, ready to peel. If I put aloe vera from the plant on my hand like this and just went like this, and I didn't rub it in, took it off like that, and just left it, chances are the next day I'm gonna see a handprint of healing. Yeah. Aloe vera causes things to heal about twice as fast. And this was proven scientifically in the laboratory with lab rats and stuff. Um, I don't know why they had to do this, but they did. I think humans should have volunteered, yeah. um, people that wanted this information. But they burn lab rats, and they put aloe on half the wounds and not on the other half. And the ones that got the aloe healed in half the time. And epithelial tissue, just like the gut, that's why we would expect it to um, speed heal ulcers um, or inflammatory bowels. So most people know that it heals skin faster, but... The immune, and that's that was my first experience to it. I remember I had these uh, rope burns from sailing. I'm not a sailor. I didn't know what I was doing. The captain said, pull up the sail. I didn't, and I looked, and I said, now what? And as the wind filled up the sail, it started ripping through my hands, and I tried to hold on to it. No chance of holding on to a sail. I, you know, let it go, people. Don't do what I did. So my patient, Rodney Stockton, always came into the office with aloe vera. When he realized that I had destroyed my hands with these rope burns, he said, put this aloe vera cream on them. Don't worry about it. You'll be fine. 
And I remember a few days later looking at my hands thinking, my goodness, they look better now than before the burns. It was absolutely amazing in just three days. Well, fast forward, he's now telling me I have to make sure all my patients are drinking this, especially if they have cancer. Didn't make much sense to me. Come on, you know, like, yeah, sure, snake potion, going to kill cancer and this and that. He has so many testimonials of people that apparently cured their cancers just drinking aloe. This is not a wise approach, okay? Have cancer, drink aloe vera. No, lifestyle changes. Well, I followed up on a lot of these testimonials years later when he had passed. Not only that, I actually had my first cancer patient on aloe vera. And um, in her case, she was stage four pancreatic cancer. Couldn't do surgery because there were too many tumors. And um, I said something like this. I said, you know, your diagnosis is bad. You have about a 2% chance of being alive at this time next year if you go the medical route. If you go a different direction, I don't know what your odds are. What do you want to do? 2% or try something else? And she wanted to try something else. Uh, so we completely changed her diet. We took away everything that she loved, sugars and you know candies and cakes and stuff. She loved that kind yeah. of food. Um, we taught her how to juice fruits and vegetables. I had her drinking three full glasses of aloe vera a day. Um, I had her growing her own sprouts. She was growing you know, bean sprouts, wheatgrass, just completely changed her diet. And I remember telling her, I said, you're going to hate me in about three weeks. You're going to feel like you're dying. You're going to feel like you're losing weight and you have no energy. But if you give me just a couple more weeks beyond that, you're going to start feeling better than ever before. And I remember her coming back saying, I can't do this anymore. I'm dying. I'm wasting away to nothing. I told you this would happen. Just give me a couple more weeks. A couple more weeks. I'm feeling amazing. I have more energy than ever before. That was about 11 years ago. Um, she's, no, she's not a customer of ours anymore. I don't see her um, anywhere. But I every now and then we'll check. And yeah, she's still posting on Facebook. Um, so this from a horrible cancer that she was only supposed to, um, you know, by the numbers, statistics, live possibly a, a year or so. Well, so I have to ask, so I have to jump in and ask, so did she do any conventional treatment? Because I know that people want to know that. Yeah, and that's a great question. Um, it was, uh, uh, I, I want to say four to six months later when she went back for her scans and the doctor said, this is amazing. Um, you actually only now have two little tumors. We can easily go in and take those out. <laughs> so, okay. so what I love about this is that, um, number one, pancreatic cancer, like Dr. Michael um, Haley said, is you know really the prognosis is very poor for most people who get diagnosed anywhere from usually like three weeks to three months and you know only two percent will often see them their one year anniversary after diagnosis um when they have pancreatic cancer so this is you know if if you had said you know skin cancer breast cancer prostate cancer i'd be like okay those ones much better prognosis, uh, depending on what type, what stage, obviously what age and everything. But pancreatic cancer, it's, it's the one that like, when you get that diagnosis, that is when you need to literally 
you start praying, you start changing your lifestyle drastically, you ditch mm. your friends who are no longer serving you and you only have people who literally are going to fill you up with light and love. Like this is where you pull out all the stops. But one of the biggest things for sure is switching your diet. And as you know, Dr. Haley said, um, you know, that's what this woman did. So that is profoundly huge. And then also for sure, you know, I've read the amazing, um, um, literature on aloe vera and understand how that can also play a part as well um, for healing. But um, the fact, and also I love how the order of that story went is that she made the lifestyle changes first, which is what a lot of my clients will do. Then they'll go back to their doctors. And sometimes, yes, having a surgery to remove a tumor so it's just not there anymore might be the right thing to do. Like I know, and I imagine for yourself, but for, you know, ourselves and ourselves and our company and our team, we're not opposed to conventional medicine if it's going to buy you more time, but we are opposed to it when it's actually going to shorten your time. Okay. And if you're not going to make the lifestyle changes, then for sure you have to go the conventional route. Right. But if you're willing to do the lifestyle changes, if you give yourself that time and it's not going to be an overnight fix, like you said, for this, you know, like, I love what you said, you know, give me longer than three weeks. Like if you just give me a couple more weeks and you are going to feel crappy when you engage in these other, you know, lifestyle, um, enhancing protocols, it's not just going to be a quick fix from day one, like pop the Tylenol, the headache goes away. It doesn't work like that. Your body is going to be literally transformed and that transformation is going to be uncomfortable. It's not going to be Change pretty. Is hard. Change is hard, but if you can stick with it, then that's when you can see incredible benefits. And that's why our program at a minimum five weeks when you just want to learn about using real food as medicine to reverse chronic disease. But then you have to stay with it for at least nine months to 18 months to literally, and not because you'll have the you know, symptoms of the disease anymore, but it's because we need to rebuild your body entirely. And we need to make sure every one of those cells in your body in one and a half years from now does not have any of the genetic mutations that you started off with when you were first diagnosed with your disease. So you hit on like just that woman's story, you hit on so many important points that, you know, for everyone who's listening, understand that it is a journey and a process. Okay. Yeah. That is so important. For, for me, it was like, you know, a head in hand moment, like why well, you're doing so well, why would you want to interfere with that? But I also realized that, you know, my role is to also support the people in their decisions yeah. and not create a fear, you know, well, if you do it, if you don't do it my way, you know, no. Okay, if you feel you're supposed to do this, then you're supposed to do this. But don't even think about changing the things that got you to this point. Yeah. You know, the doctors yeah. themselves said, wow, what's going on? You're doing amazing. Don't change. Okay, yeah. if you're going to do those things and add their treatments onto it, don't change the things that got you so well already. Exactly. And when, you, when you're done and declared cancer-free keep doing these things. You know, yeah. you feel better. You're, you remember all the energy and wow, I feel better than I have in so long. Why would you not want that again? So I know. keep it up. You know, it's a lifestyle change. And a lot of times when you change these things for the better, a lot of times you don't feel them because we kind of do focus on the, the negativity as people. We kind of, we feel the, the, I don't, I'm drained. I don't have energy. We don't, we're not so sensitive to the fact, wow, I'm thinking clearly, I feel great. Yeah. And then you start putting these bad things back in you and then you feel it and then you're more aware of it. So when you make good change, sometimes you don't really realize how you're doing better until you go back to the old. Oh, yeah. um, 
this is where I say people keep data on yourself and write down all of the symptoms that you have currently before you start these, you know, drinking the allergies, switching the diet, getting better sleep, because you will forget in three weeks, in a month from now, you'll be, and this happened to my mom, like when she finally decided to implement the stuff that I was teaching, like she used to wake up five times a night to go pee. She went through so many studies to figure out like why her bladder, you know, wasn't supporting her. And they came up with all these theories and they were ridiculous. Ridiculous. And then at the end, when she just made these nutritional lifestyle changes, you know, she wasn't getting up five times a night and sleep is so important. You don't want to be woken up five times a night to go pee. And then within three days, she was sleeping through the night. But on the fourth day, I remember saying to my mom, like, how are you doing? And she's like, oh, you know, I don't know. And so I had to ask her, did you wake up last night to go pee? Oh, come to think of it, I didn't. But I'm like 20 years of waking up five times a night and she had completely forgotten on the fourth day already. And that's how fast our bodies forget, you know, the symptoms that we have. And then of course you can start focusing on new things like, well, I'm not as energetic as I want to be. No, of course not. It's only been day four, but let's get you to five weeks, six weeks, three months, and then let's see how you feel. So that's so important. Yeah. yeah, Everything that you just said. So with the aloe, can you explain more about the properties of aloe so people understand? And this is where I just want to preface this with Sometimes I can't stand when people say, tell me why carrots are good for me. Um, and you know, what nutrients are in there? Well, carrots have all the nutrients in there. So do tomatoes, so do corn, so do aloe, but let's also dive into the specifics. Yeah. yeah. And just like we can't completely understand a carrot, we can't completely understand aloe because the phytonutrients, there's too many of them to study, but we're going to focus on these uh, on this nutrient ace manin and and even more importantly a, a particular sugar molecule a component of that aloe vera those mucilaginous polysaccharides what's a polysaccharide uh it's a very super complex carbohydrate what's a complex carbohydrate it's like carbohydrates only bigger ones um well what's a carbohydrate it's sugar molecules joined together. Wait a second, isn't sugar bad? Yeah. Um, some is, you know, but uh, some aren't. And there's different carbohydrates that don't have that, you know, sugar spike in your blood. And there's actually some sugar that isn't even recognized as sugar. In fact, mannose is the one sugar molecule that's known to be in a sense, toxic to cancer cells. And the best way I can describe it, and I think this is how it may have um, had a, a benefit for my pancreatic cancer uh, patient years ago too. Because when we think about the pancreas, we think about sugar and sometimes cancers are actually an adaptive response. You know, something grows to make more of something for a particular reason. People use aloe vera to lower and stabilize blood sugar levels when they have diabetes. I still don't completely understand this, but mannose, this sugar molecule, when cancer cells try to eat it, they'll bind to it, but they can't actually consume it. They can't release it, and they can't, when they, because they're bound to it, now they can't consume glucose. So they essentially starve. It's that They had a great chemotherapy as long as you were using aloe vera when you took the chemotherapy. Was it the chemotherapy or the aloe vera? There was another research that was shown to, um, and this, this one really amazed me. They gave 
uh, there was 240 people in this particular study, and um, it was 119 in one group and 121 in the other, and I forget which one, which group had what. But one, both groups got chemotherapy. One of the groups had one ounce of aloe vera a day, a tablespoon in the morning, tablespoon at night. The results and what they considered a complete result, the group that got the aloe vera with their chemotherapy had more than three times the complete result. Wow. Now, with only an ounce a day, I'm thinking an ounce a day, I gave my, uh, my, my first cancer patient 24 ounces a day <laughs> of the real thing. You know, right. the undiluted, the unfiltered. What were they giving only an ounce of and what kind of results would they have if they had more than that? There's um, other research shown that ACE men in this particular um, you know, molecule in, in aloe vera causes your macrophages to secrete more tumor necrosis factor, interferon, interleukin. What's tumor necrosis factor? The name tumor, cancer, necrosis, death too. It's the factor that causes death to cancer. Well, how does it work? It essentially causes the immune system to be able to recognize cancer cells because one of the problems we suspect is people that have cancers and viruses, their immune system sees them as self and leaves them alone. But as we wake them up with these factors, all of a sudden the immune system says, no, that's not me. That's actually a bad cell. I have to get rid of that. And the immune system starts working. Um, so there's all kinds of scientific reasons why it would be beneficial for someone that has cancer. Um, Hippocrates Health Institute did a study uh, years ago, and I remember talking with uh, Brian Clement about this and how excited he was when he, uh, he said, you know, we, we gave one of the groups aloe vera with their supplements, and the other group, we, uh, the other group, we, we didn't. We just gave them their supplements. The group that got their, the aloe vera, he said, their blood tested higher for every nutrient tested, every single one of them. Okay, they were giving like a tablespoon of aloe vera with the supplements, very small amount, and somehow it caused the gut to absorb nutrients from it better. I think that's why um, Gerson treatments are actually putting a small amount of aloe vera in the juice smoothies, probably because you're doing this expensive juicing, let's absorb the nutrition from it and aloe vera helps. I think it has additional benefits as well, so I'd probably put more aloe in there uh, for that reason. But lots of science behind how it would help people with uh, immune problems, cancers and viruses do better. So can you drink too much aloe? Can you consume too much? I tried. <laughs> it's actually <laughs> a dangerous question. You know, in that, in that video that you saw where I, I teach how to fillet aloe vera, um, one, of, one of my favorite things to do is tell, tell people, now touch the yellow stuff with your finger and just that little itty bitty dab. Now put that on your tongue. You know, uh, have you ever seen a baby bite into a lemon for the first time? Yeah. An adult expecting the worst taste will outdo that baby image tenfold their whole face. That stuff is so bitter, horrible, and has a powerful laxative effect. And small amounts of that will cause a tremendous laxative effect. I had a, an employee years ago, first day on the job, no, second day, I think she came back in the second day. She said, she said, um, you know, and she was sad. It's like, what's wrong? She said, well, I found out that I have 
breast cancer again. I said, okay, don't worry. We're going to, you know, get you on a good healing path. But first thing I want to change right now, I want you drinking. And I gave her two of our half gallons of aloe vera. I said, I want you drinking three glasses of this a day. She spent the next two days in the bathroom at work, you know, about half the time in, half the time uh, out, you know, she'd get some work done, run to the bathroom in there all day long. At the end of the second day of doing this, she said, Dr. Haley, is it possible that the aloe is running right through me? I said, no, not a chance. I said, well, I shouldn't say that. I mean, if you got your aloe vera from Whole Foods, and these are my exact words, I'm not saying anything wrong with the aloe vera at Whole Foods, but I'm just saying this is what came out of my mouth. If you got your aloe vera from Whole Foods, then yes, but not what I gave you. She said, oh. I said, what do you mean, oh? She said, when she named her husband, she said, he drinks aloe vera for his diabetes. And so I thought I would finish his before drinking what you gave me. Head in hand, mom, you know, oh no. I said, how much did you drink? She said, I could only drink two glasses. A good thing, three could have killed you. You know, as you're depleting your electrolytes and just, you know, it'd be like vomiting and not being able to have any yeah. nutrition because you're just being cleaned out. And that's what she was experiencing. Um, you know, the cramping and the diarrhea for two solid days from drinking way too much. Some of it has that outer leaf bitter amount in it that's people are using. They leave it in there because some people want that gut flush effect. Yeah. They want to use it as a laxative, which is the wrong approach, by the way, if you have constipation. Yeah. Um, so yes, you can drink too much aloe vera if it's with the outer leaf and you have to be careful. I always answer, I got to be careful answering that question. When I'm uh, supervising our harvest and production, I have eight checkpoints and I feel good drinking a full eight ounces at a time. So for me, and there's eight checkpoints, I actually will drink eight full glasses per day for a week straight. I've never had a problem. If you're drinking the inner filet gel only, no, you can't drink too much. Okay, amazing. And so for, and I know this is a tough one because it's like for myself, you know, that there's people all over the planet. Not everybody's going to be able to access your product. I know from just chatting with you, I'm like, I am never buying anybody else's aloe but yours. But is that the right answer? Or, you know, what do people do if they... Um, because I imagine a lot of people listening to this will want to run to the store and get it right away. Not everybody likes ordering online and not everybody can grow it or let's talk about growing it. I live in, you know, British Columbia, Canada. I am three hours north of the border. We have snow six months of, you know, four or five months of the year. Um, can we grow aloe here? And in, I mean, we grow it indoors and is growing it indoors the same as growing it outdoors? Can I grow it in a greenhouse? Let's talk about how people can grow it on their own if they cannot purchase it from you. And then the yeah. second question, should we only purchase your product? <laughs> Which I know You can try nice. to grow it on your own. Uh, you know, I grow it in Florida, a lot of it. I was out in the fields today, actually harvesting little baby plants. We ship them all over the United States. We don't ship them internationally uh, because getting plants through customs with, you know, bugs and insects and possible fungus, and they don't allow it. It's very yeah. difficult. Even going state to state in the United States is difficult enough. But what we're harvesting, we grow in the Dominican Republic for a lot of reasons. There's no nuclear power plants there. There's, there's good reasons. They have great lime mm -hmm. rock rich um, um, soil to grow in. 
what I have noticed, Florida, we're pretty tropical. It grows very well in Florida. It grows amazing in the Dominican Republic. In the wintertime here, you know, it gets to the 70s at nighttime, might get in the 60s. The aloe stops growing mm. for, you know, a good three, four months out of the year. So I couldn't imagine trying to grow it um, in Canada. <laughs> yes, you can grow it indoors. What I see with my indoor plants is um, they grow long and skinny, like they're just looking for sunshine, trying to grow tall. Uh, so they grow skinny and tall, looking for the light. Yeah, that's um, how so I'm sorry inside. Yeah. Yeah, you know, light is the, the, the fuel of life in, mm -hmm. in plants. It's what causes the nutrition to be sucked up to the plants so that it can consume what's in the soil and in the water. Um, so you have to have a lot of sunlight for aloe vera. Yeah, no, I have a girlfriend up here. She's same town and her aloe is massive. I mean, you know, she has this incredible green thumb, just, uh, you know, knows what to do. Whereas mine is exactly how you described, like super tall and skinny. Probably the pots are too small. I'm not neutrifying the soil as often enough. But the reason I grow them, and I mean, I have since I was a little girl, like even growing up with my mom, we always had aloe plants growing in our house. Um, and because if we ever got burnt, my mom would do exactly that. She would just cut off a snip of the aloe and then let the gel come out, put it on our burns. We always brought an aloe plant camping with us in case anybody got, you know, burnt while we were camping. It was just, you know, it's kind of like some people pack band-aids. My mom packed an aloe plant. Um, and that's because we were born in Africa and, you know, there was, everybody has aloe plants growing in their backyard, front yard, everywhere. Um, and it's just a necessary part of your medical kit. But I guess for consuming it at the quantities that you want to consume, that makes it hard. And so, yeah, I'd imagine purchasing it from you. So, is there any, besides purchasing it from you, you know, are there any other companies that, you know, not wanting you to have to promote them, but I mean, I think it's just good for people to have options out there. Well, I'll tell you what I would look for if, um, if, I, if I didn't have access to my brand, um, I would look for something that had pulp in it. You know, when it comes to food, we want whole foods. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people are filtering the aloe to the point where it's this clear liquid. Um, you shouldn't be able, if you put it in a glass and hold it up to the light, you shouldn't be able to see through it. Right. Um, I want something that, you know, when I shake it, it doesn't sound like water, but it has like a thick, goopy sound to it. And if I read the ingredients, I want to know that it's not because there's a thickener added to make it like that. Okay, good. When I look at the, the, the preservatives, um, I'm going to be careful on what I might allow for you know, a preserving system. Uh, you know, I'd probably, um, I'm not a fan of citric acid, but I'd probably learn, lean towards that over some of the other things that are in there. Being cautious, knowing that the preservatives that are, that are on the label are only the ones that were put in by the manufacturer, not by the original farmer. Um, right. So those are the things I'd be thinking about. And if I could find it at a, a, a farmer's market, where, you know, there's a guy in, in Tampa, I, I love his YouTube videos. Uh, he's this aloe guru in, in Tampa. And, you know, no matter what's wrong, you just have to drink some aloe vera. And, and he's at, at his, you know, farmer's market and he makes aloe vera for everybody. If you can find something like that, mm, 
you know? Amazing. Amazing. And for people who are listening, and if you happen to live in a warm climate and you can grow your own aloe and, you know, if you're looking for a career, I mean, I would definitely recommend learning from Dr. Haley, um, you know, on how to produce it so that it can be available fresh in more farmers markets for more people. Like that's one of the things we're doing with our, we have a campaign. Um, it's called the 22 million strong tour where we're going to teach and help 22 million people by 20 30 reverse their chronic degenerative diseases, their lifestyle chronic degenerative diseases like diabetes mm. and autoimmune disorders. And we've already helped thousands and thousands, but we've decided to scale it up. So I'll be running across Canada, which is a, it's about a 4,400 mile um, tour for those of you who are, you know, on a different metric system or a 7,000 kilometer um, tour. So I'll be riding and running across Canada. And, you know, as a result of this podcast now, I'm like, okay, I know what else I need to have in my food kit, which is going to be aloe as I am transporting myself um, manually across the country. But um, one of the things we're doing with our 22 million campaign is also you know, for any entrepreneurs out there or want to be entrepreneurs and you want to start a business, choose one that is, you know, around helping people get healthy and reverse chronic disease. And, you know, so maybe you don't want to open up a cafe or a restaurant like ours or a food truck, or, you know, you don't want to become a farmer and grow food for people, but you could really grow aloe and make fresh aloe and sell it in farmer's markets, you know, and, and educate people and make people more aware of it. And definitely by learning from Dr. Haley um, is the way to go. I'm all about helping people start businesses because of the fact that we need more small business owners out there. It's what makes the world go round, the economy go round, but we need entrepreneurs that are socially minded, environmentally conscious, um, and that are really focused on health because right now chronic diseases are an epidemic, right? We just went through Corona. That's a pandemic, right? Short-lived probably, um, but an epidemic is of epic proportions. And when it comes to chronic diseases like heart disease and diabetes, that's what we're faced with. So, um, so now you make me want to move to the Dominican Republic because now I want to be close to aloe vera growing all around me. It's um, like you described in, in Africa, there's, you know, uh, an aloe plant in front of every home. It's amazing. So when, one question I do have around when you're growing your own and you go to use it for cuts and burns, do you also have to cut it and then let that lax, the yellow gel uh, liquid sort of come off first? Or can you just use it directly with that laxative gel? No, you're going to want to get rid of it primarily because it smells like armpits. It does, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, whereas, you know, when you take the, the gel itself, um, you can do so much with it. Not only take it like a bar of soap and just put it on the wounds for helping things heal faster. Um, ladies, try it for fun. You know, just take it like and just go right like this and then let it dry and watch what happens to your face. Um, it's gonna, you know, it's, it's great for the short term, the night out, you want a, a, a facelift effect. Well, you're actually doing something that's anti-aging and gonna give you that facelift effect. It will tighten things up for the time and you're, it's anti-aging, it's only good for you, no chemicals in it. Um, there are so many uses for the aloe vera plant, so many reasons to have one in your house. Um, you know, people are using it to help heal their gums. You know, if you're going to drink mm -hmm. it and you have gum problems, swish before you swallow. People are using it, you know, for their, their scalp. Uh, again, you can take it just like a bar of soap and massage it into your hair for healthy hair and scalp. Um, there's 
so many, so many uses for aloe vera. It's probably the original plant medicine food, you know, um, written on the tombs in Egypt. And there's so much history of aloe vera. It is probably used for more ailments than anything before. I'm going to go back to when is the potato a pill? Is it a cure-all? No such thing. Don't just do one thing. You know, if you have a condition, um, what's causing it? What else am I doing wrong? What do I need to change in my life? Uh, not just aloe vera, but that happens to be one of those superfood things that you want to have around all the time. I like yeah. things like, you know, I, 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 keep, I keep silver in my home. Exactly. Um, I keep aloe vera in my home. You know, there's certain things that are good for so many things. Aloe vera is one of those. Yeah. And I like that you mentioned that as well, because when you look at your medicine cabinet, you know, are you looking at a bunch of prescription pills or over the counter pills, or are you looking at a plant that's growing in the sunlight on your kitchen window or your living room window? Are you, do you have a bottle of silver, you know, that's there? And, you know, and when we talk about silver, like go back to the podcast we did with Dr. Pedersen, because, you know, he talks about silver and how, you know, he's, it's being used now as, a malaria treatment in Africa. And, you know, it's incredible what uh, Dr. Pedersen has been doing with getting the knowledge of colloidal silver out there, but also explaining just like Dr. Haley did, the difference between mass-produced, commodified, uh, you know, colloidal silver and what he's making as well. So you need to know the difference in the manufacturing process and make sure that anytime you source any kind of product, whether it's a banana, a couch, a car, aloe vera, you know, you want it to, to be produced in the best, most wholesome way possible. So, you know, people, you need to do your research. You can't be lazy and just think like the next bit of marketing that comes your way is the end all be all. But when you look at your medicine cabinet, especially, you know, you shouldn't have to have a ton of prescription pills. Like, you know, I talk about this all the time that, you know, we've raised our kids and like my daughter's 15, my other daughter's 13 and my youngest is nine. And they don't take medications. They've never had to take Tylenol. They've never had to take, you know, any of these things um, unless it was an acute condition. And that's when medicine was vitally important. But outside of that, not for chronic, like you shouldn't have chronic stuff going on if you have a medicine cabinet that is truly one that is healing you and beneficial to you. So, you know, just look at your medicine cabinet and think about switching that over. So important. One question that I have about aloe is there any like can you take it every day or is it kind of like taking mushroom products where you should have some days off and some days on how does that work with taking aloe? i personally have never seen anyone have problems from using it every day i've never seen anyone grow resistant to it um for me i've been using it pretty much every day for oh good at least 10 years um and then the 10 years prior to that more intermittently but Last 10 years, I've had a rather unlimited supply. <laughs> I use it every day. I use it a couple times a day. Why not? Yeah. It, it, it's there. I, you know, I, I, yesterday I had two or three glasses of it. Um, I don't see a problem with it. Now, is there a point of diminishing returns? Sure. You know, there's, uh, at one point, it might just be providing me with an excellent source of hydration because I've already 
used Nutrified. my all the nutrients. Yeah, I'm already, you know, something that happens. Um, the, there was a company that used to test your, and I think they still do, they would test your carotenoids in your skin. You know, you can only saturate so much and then putting in more, really, you know, you're, you're saturated. You can only absorb so much. So there's probably a point of diminishing returns, but I've never drank too much. Yeah. And you are an anomaly because of the fact that you are one of the probably like 1%, maybe or 2% of North America's population that are probably saturated. Most people in North America, because they don't eat enough plant-based products, they eat a heavy abundance of animal-based products and refined food products. So they're not getting their daily you know, intake of vegetables, which are providing them with the nutrients that they need. So most people are not saturated. We see this on the iodine spectrum that you know, when my clients get tested um, through a 24-hour um, urine test, uh, iodine saturation test, they're 98% depleted. Like 99% of my clients are 98% depleted in iodine and magnesium mm -hmm. in, you know, most of the minerals if they, we were to run all the tests. But the thing that we know is that once they start putting food back into their body in the form of plant-based whole foods, then all of a sudden their saturation labels go up. And that's when we, we see their bodies move into a regeneration process as opposed to just a basic like survival. Like most people are just base, barely surviving at all because they don't have enough nutrients. So I think you're the anomaly there where, um, you know, the, you know, the law of diminishing returns might may or may not apply to you. Um, but I think for most people, like if you're going to start doing this, like eating the vegetables, eating the fruits, eating the plant-based foods, and also taking the aloe vera products, like it's going to take you a long time before you reach that point. Right. So just and, continue with it. And even if I am saturated and I, you know, and, and I get hungry and I have another nutrient dense salad, is it going to harm me? No, because you need it. It's not like you can reach a threshold and then be done with it because their body's always needing the nutrients. Your bacteria is always consuming the fiber, that insoluble plant-based fiber. So you need to keep at it. You need to keep doing it. And it, again, this becomes a lifestyle as opposed to, you know, a diet approach or a cleanse approach, which I hate those words because people, the number one question that I cannot stand and that I get asked all the time is, how long do I do this for? How long should I eat those healthy foods for? You know, so I'm not even going to ask you that when it comes to aloe. You know, we know from this conversation that it's right. something that you're going to start today and continue for your lifetime and start giving it to your grandkids from when they're little and so on, right? Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I think it's funny that you mentioned the word cleanse because I, I don't like the word cleanse. Um, I understand it has its place be, because some people aren't living a lifestyle of cleanse. But you're, you, how, when, how often should you cleanse? Every time you eat, every time you think about what you're going to put in or on your body, it should be a cleanse. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Yeah, and cleansing, not just through food, right? Every single day, your food is nutrifying, but it's also cleansing you. It's mm -hmm. healing you and it's detoxifying you. It's repairing your body, you know, as well as building your body up. But also our thoughts, like you talked about that in the very beginning of this show, you know, how we think affects our body. So a lot of people want to do dietary cleanses or exercise cleanses and challenges. But what about, you know, cleansing our thoughts every day as well? So how can you do that? And again, not just thinking about cleansing, but actually changing your behavior so that you can catch yourself when you're having one of those negative 
toxic thoughts and instead you're switching it so that you have a positive healing thought. And that's a practice in itself. And it, you don't just do it for two weeks or 21 days, but it's something that you're practicing for a lifetime, right? It's our um, all in. Yeah. Time. And that's, that by the way, is not only, not only is that its own podcast, but that's a series of podcasts there. Um, there is, you have, you, there is so much to understand about how this affects what goes on in your body and your life. And yeah, completely agree with you. That's amazing. So we're going to have to do that then. We have so many more podcasts that we have to do together. Um, so one one thing that if you can just help my audience um, and the listeners understand, so what does a day in the life look like for Dr. Michael Haley? Oh boy, every every day is different. Every, every day is fun. Um, you, you know, one thing I love, uh, because we did talk about the fact that, you know, right now is the pandemic and it's, we're in a, this challenge. I actually, and, and, and change is difficult. I actually like change. You know, it's the, um, I'm comfortable when things are uncomfortable. Um, I like that. I would say that my day involves taking on new challenges and being excited about them. Why? Um, one is if I'm going into something that's uncomfortable, maybe it's unfamiliar, that means I'm going to learn something. I'm going to learn something new. And I might learn what not to do, but that's still a times I, I, I make a decision, I do something and it doesn't go my way. Great. I learned something not to do. Um, and, and I learned powerfully from that and I, don't do those things again. My days are always different. I love the challenges. And I would say invite the challenges into your life um, and, say, and ask yourself, what can I learn from them? Uh, my life, what's it look like? I get up early. Um, we talked earlier. I love playing the drums. Um, my wife gets up early and um, she teaches her uh, yoga. But before she teaches her yoga, she does her own um, exercise workout. So we're usually up about 4.35 in the morning. And, uh, you know, we, we, um, we, we, today we had our celery juice together <laughs> and then from there we went into the garage at about, you know, five, five thirty. I played my drums and she did her exercise routine. Um, I, I came to the office early, but I went back out into the aloe fields to harvest aloe plants because we're shipping a bunch of them out today. Um, soon I'm going to head out uh, into our packing area and help pack boxes and ship frozen aloe vera all over the United States. Um, my day is fun. Uh, I, I saw a patient earlier today and he gave a chiropractic adjustment. Um, whatever the day brings, I'm going to invite it and grow from it, learn from it, have a joy in doing what I do, knowing that it's going to have a positive impact on the people around me. I love that. I think that's a brilliant way to wrap up this show because of the fact that uh, number one, that message and what you just said and how you live your life every day is the fact that you're proactive, that you're not just sitting back waiting for somebody else to say what you're supposed to do and how you're supposed to do it, but you're just out there. You are taking charge. And this is one of the biggest factors in healing and overcoming a disease is the fact that you don't just sit back and you're not just a recipient of information or action. You are out there actually taking the action, initiating it, 
being proactive um, and, and that you're doing it every day. And like you said, you're doing it with joy and you're embracing it as opposed to fearing it. And I think that's so important for anybody who's listening to the show, what you've learned today. Some of you might think like, oh, I'm too scared to take aloe. I don't know enough yet. Well, that's okay. Be proactive, get a book, go watch some YouTube videos, do whatever it takes so that you can be proactive in your approach of how you want to engage in adopting aloe products into your life today. So I love that message. So how can people get in touch with you, uh, Dr. Haley? We are now HaleyNutrition.com. And oh, let's see, it's right up there. It's Haley right Nutrition. there. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> com. If you go to Aloe1 with the number one.com, that is also going to go to Haley Nutrition. That's what we used to be. But we now do more than just aloe vera products. Um, so we rebranded as Haley Nutrition. More importantly, um, you talked about people growing their own aloe vera. If you go to aloe.guru, not .com, not .com, but .guru, that's going to take you right to our YouTube channel. We have a lot of farming videos, the very same things I did today. I love, there's one video on there that shows you how to take the plant up and cut the roots off and harvest all the babies and plant the roots and plant the mother plant back in there. There's another video that shows me pulling that up you know, 10 or 11 weeks later to show you how many new roots grew um, into that same plant and how, you know, what seems like you're killing it is actually helping it and, and, and how big and juicy the, the leaves get and how much stronger the root system gets after putting it through that. There's some great um, aloe vera farming videos, things that I've learned over the years with aloe vera. Um, so if you're going to, if you're going to take that, if you want to learn how to fillet it, it's on there. It's on the YouTube channel. Those are the best ways to uh, find out more. And you can always contact us through the website. I literally, I have been up to now, I've been able to personally respond to everyone that is asking me a question in particular. That is incredible. And this, I just have such utmost respect for you as well, because of the fact that you're not just a company that's producing and shipping, but you're an education company. And going beyond that, you are empowering people to be able to grow their own aloe and you're teaching them how to do that. And anytime I see people who are not afraid of the competition, you know, it really just shows that you really are out there to make the world a better place, you know, not just through your product, but through empowering people to be able to take responsibility in their life and to be able to create their own lifestyle around this, whether they're going to be a farmer and producer as well. So that just, you know, I think just, I have so much respect for what you do. And I'm so glad that I had you on the show. I well. can see it in you too. And I bet you people love coming to your restaurant. You could probably teach them all the recipes and how to do it at home, but they're going to come to you because you know, they're, they're, they're buying you and you know, you're, you're, you are a light. You're filled with joy and life and energy and this, you know, so much knowledge to give to other people. I just love what you do. Oh, thanks Michael. That's really, really sweet for you. Yes. Come to our restaurant. We share our recipes all the time. We teach you how to make it. What we find is that because it is a lot of work to, you know, grow food, pick food, make food, people always come back. So I'm not afraid of losing customers by sharing our recipes with them. And in fact, they just keep coming back for more, which is awesome. So yes, I think that this is a way that we can all be in our world and in our business. So yeah, no, mutual respect. 
right there for sure. So thank you so much for being on the show. We're going to have a lot of this information in the show notes for anybody who's listening that missed it. Don't worry. We're going to make sure that all of um, Michael's links are there so you can access his products and his YouTube videos and education. And Michael, we're going to have to do this again because there's definitely the whole um, mind health perspective that I also want to go down as well for our audience. Thank you so much, Nicolette. And welcome back. How did you enjoy that show with Dr. Michael Haley? So glad to have him on our show. So glad that you are here with us. I want to thank you so much for tuning in, for listening to our show from beginning to end. It is a long format show because of the fact that we need to take the time, we need to slow down, and we need to dive deeper into these topics. As you know that, you know, trying to understand how products are created out there, it really takes a lot of research, a lot of reading, a lot of investigating, a lot of asking questions. And one of the easiest ways to do that is by bringing experts onto our show who can share their stories so you can really get the goods on how these goods are created and produced and distributed around the planet. So that's what I love about doing our long format shows. And I'm so glad that you stick with us. If you feel that sometimes they're too long and you can't listen to them all at once, that's okay. What you can do is take them in in 15 minute increments, 10 minute increments, 30 minute increments, it doesn't matter. What matters most is that you're taking the time to feed yourself with knowledge every single day, whether it's through our show or Rich Roll's show. His is also a long format uh, podcast. He's got over 500 episodes. I highly encourage you to listen to his show or, you know, listening to Dr. Zach Bush or Dr. Gemma Newman or, you know, Dr. Uh, Ranjan Chatterjee. I mean, there's so many great shows out there that you can listen to, to fill yourself up with the knowledge that you need to access if you want to turn your health around, if you want to turn your life around for the better. So anyway, Thanks for being with us. It is always such a pleasure. And if you want to stay connected to the work that we're doing, please visit us at The Green Mustache. If you are in the vicinity, come try out our meals, our smoothies, our juices, our desserts. They're all plant-based, whole food. They are cooked. They are raw. They are made with love. And you can get them at any one of our five locations in North Vancouver, Port Moody, Squamish, and our two locations in Whistler, British Columbia. So enjoy this day. Enjoy this moment. Just learn to breathe deep. Learn to take it down a few notches. Slow down. Fill yourself up with knowledge every day, with love every day, with breath every day. Get some sunlight. Make sure you get some sleep. And remember, always eat real to heal. Bye for now.